Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and chavruta, Yerdena Osband. Our daf of the day, Masachah Yevamot, daf Yudtet, page 19. Okay, I'm going to try something a little unorthodox here, in that I want to start with a case that's already, of course, in the middle of all the discussions of the cases, and I'm hoping that it's going to be enough of a standalone that we don't have to, you know, go back into the bog of the previous stuff. So I'm at the very bottom of, of Amud Aleph. Asaba ma'amar. So what happens? We have two brothers, right? The first brother dies. The second brother is now going to do yibum with the widow of the first brother. But he hasn't done full yibum. He's, he's done this ma'amar, which we've discussed already in terms of this betrothal. And your Dana, I know you're going to talk further about it. Okay. So that he's done the level of, of commitment or added formality or whatever of this formal betrothal to attest or that acknowledges that there's going to be yibum between them going forward. And then a brother is born, meaning brother number three, let's say for the case of, let's try to keep this as simple as possible. Or the brother was born first and then he did the ma'amar. And then, umate, and then he dies, meaning the guy who did the ma'amar, whether before or after the brother was born, he himself dies. So this Gemara says, Harishona mishum ba'olamo. And we've seen this, you know, I discussed this exact case, I think, yesterday, right, where the, the widow goes free. She can marry anybody that she wants, right? Because she is now going to be considered the wife of the brother because he wasn't alive at the time that the first brother died. Ushnia, the wife of the brother who has just died, I mean the second brother to die. And that the the third brother will do chalitza and not yibum for the second widow, right? Because of that ma'amar. She was, and this is this was a machloket that we saw with Rabbi Shimon and the Tanakama, right? The idea that at this point, because there was this betrothal, then she's considered to be a co-wife or a partial co-wife or a nearly co-wife, whatever, of the brother of the wife of the first brother who had died, the widow of the first brother who had died. So now, Rabbi Shimon, and he's the he's the outlier here, right? He's got these interesting opinions. He says, Rabbi Shimon, Mayor, so he says that if he had intercourse, meaning if if the if in fact there was yibum, right? That's the act of intercourse here, or chalitza with one of them, meaning with the wife of the second brother, will or for that matter the widow um, of the first brother that is now the the betrothed yivama or whatever, however it's going to be said um, of the second brother who is about to die. So what happens? So if he, in fact, did if he does chalitza to the person, to the woman who is holding this ma'amar, meaning the widow of the first brother who's going to have yibum with the second brother, except for that he dies before they get as far as yibum, lo niftarat sarah, then, in the case of the co-wife, the co-wife is not exempt. The co-wife is not exempt from from yibum, right? Meaning, or or from from doing yibum or chalitza. So now, what happens? So now, the second brother 
in fact, marries the widow of the first brother, and then he dies. And then a brother is born. Meaning, again, this is the flip side of what we read the other day. Instead of the discussion of Ma'amar and then and and the brother, uh, the brother, the third brother. Now we're talking about that's what marriage here means, right? And then the brother dies. And then, in fact, the two of them are going to be um, exempt from both from Chalitza and from Yibum. What I find puzzling about this, right, is that the the place of Rabbi Shimon here seems to be, right, Rabbi Shimon's commenting on the first case of the Mamar case. The Gemara goes on to discuss the more straightforward case of Yibum actually having taken place. And the Psak that we've just established, right, is not in accord with Rabbi Shimon, where Rabbi Shimon said, no, they still have to do Yibum uh, or right? And so the Breta, and then, so now I'm going conti- to, I'm continuing on the daf. So the, the Gemara brings a Breta that tells us straight up that this position that seems to be the default position of the Mishnah before it gets get, gets to the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, that's the opinion of Rabbi Meir. And the Breta then continues, Rabbi Shimon Omer, so Rabbi Shimon, and this time we get his rationale. He says, since the third brother, when once the third brother comes along, right, she was never in a position of being prohibited to him because she was never Eshet Ach, because that brother had died before he ever was born, right? Meaning he's she's already the Yavama of the second brother, but she was never the the Eshet Ach of the first brother. So then that's why he says, you know, because she was never because she wasn't in this prohibited status, then well, no, I don't understand. Meaning this is what Rabbi Shimon says. It is the words, right? Even he comes and he finds her in a quote unquote permitted state, right? Meaning she was never in that prohibited state of that seems to be Rabbi Shimon's rationale as to why he can he should either be doing Yibum or Chalitza of either of these two women meaning they both seem to be the the wives and we said this yesterday the wives of the second brother but what's not clear to me is why the permitted state or the prohibited state of the first brother would be relevant to Rabbi Shimon's position because isn't she Eshet Ach of the second brother now? And that's why Yibum kicks in. Otherwise, I would think he would say she could go free. So there's a piece of this that as much as I you know, can, can translate and explain it, I'm still not quite sure why Rabbi Shimon's, like what, what's his full rationale? So the Gemara wants to help me out here and it explains it a little bit further. Habavad Seifalamand Katanila. So then the question is, well, the latter part of the Brita, right, is it talking about the case of the brothers born after Yibum, and then according to whom? So the Gemara says, Right, meaning, if you want to say that this is all about explaining Rebbe Meir, then that doesn't make any sense, because according to Rebbe Meir, then it doesn't make a difference whether the Yibum took place before the, bro- the third brother was born, or the Yibum took place after the third brother was born, because either way, 
because she'd been the brother, she because she'd been the widow of the brother who died before the the youngest brother was born, there was no obligation, right? She, they because of Lobala Olamo, that's not the right phrasing, but right, because they were not ever in the in the world at the same time, then she was never um there was no Zikat Yibum to that third brother for the widow of the first brother. So the Gemara says, well, then it should have just taught them together. You don't need to separate and say, oh, we're going to clarify Rabbi Mayer here because Rabbi Mayer's position on this was, was already clear. But to say that this would be to, care, to, to clarify the opinion of Rabbi Shimon is also difficult. Why? Because Rabbi, Rabbi Shimon disagrees about the case where what happens, there's Yibum, and then the third brother is born. That's exactly his point of point of departure, the point of machloket. But if there was yibum and then, I'm sorry, if the third brother was born and then there was yibum, that's where, uh, that's that's. Let me say this better. The first case, where where they yibem vacharkach nolad, where the second brother does yibum for the widow of the first brother of the first brother. And then the third brother is born. That is a case where Rabbi Shimon disagrees, right? What is the obligation? But he doesn't disagree in the case of where the younger brother is born and then there's Yibum for the widow of the first first brother. So I don't know where this leaves us. Meaning at the end of the day, what we say is Rabbi Shimon's machloket is much narrower than it sounds like at first blush, than it sounded like when in reading the Mishnah and in reading you know, some of the attempts at... at uh, you know, fleshing it out yesterday um, at the end to say that he, Rabbi Shimon's really only disagreeing on this one more narrow case. I suppose that is helpful um, because Rabbi Shimon's position is kind of strange. Well, um, well, that's really not where the Gemara yesterday, when you read the Gemara, it looked like there was this huge gap between Rabbi Shimon and the Chachamim. So I think you're right. It's like this staff is spending a lot of energy to say, no, Rabbi Shimon's opinion, this Machlokas is very limited. Right. And, and, but that's as far as I can go with it. Meaning, his rationale, his his the reason he disagrees. I mean, I've read these words now many, many times, also before talking on the podcast, right? And I and I it's still not clear to me. Every time I think I've got it clear, I still am wondering, like, but it doesn't like what's the point? Yeah, what's the I point? Agree. Rabbi I think Rabbi Shimon's opinion is a little bit difficult to to understand. So I'm going to move on now to uh, a brisa that was brought up in a discussion about Rav Papa's understanding of Rabbi Shimon. Um, and I think it gives us some insight, which we talked a little bit about yesterday. Amar Mar, so the master said, and the case we're talking about here is we have two brothers, Reuven and Shimon, and Reuven dies childless. And then the second one, Shimon, gets up. The language is very interesting here of Ahmad to do Mamar with Reuven's widow, right? Who now is his Yavama. But he somehow doesn't complete the act of Ma'amar with his Yavama. Now, that's interesting because we talked a little bit about what Ma'amar was. It's not a lengthy process. It's some type of additional designation that would take place, but he somehow didn't get to do it, but he was Ahmad. It looks like this happens like mid-action. And what happens? A third brother is born, Levi, Vamate, and he and Shimon die. So Shimon also died childless. So presumably now you have two widows. You have Ruvain's widow, who was going to be, who was the Yavama to Shimon, and you have Shimon's widow. 
the first widow, Rubens, is is basically doesn't have to do Yibum uh, to Levi because she was the wife of this non, you know, of this non-contemporary brother. Um, right? So this is why she's excluded. And the second widow, meaning Shimon's widow, has to either do or has to do um, or has to do uh, has to do um, evil. Okay, so this is the uh, this is the brisa uh, that we are uh, that we're di- that we're discussing here, um, and then it goes on to say, uh, and then it goes on to well, well, let's just say one thing: Shimon's widow is basically allowed in Levi in Yibum, right? Either doing chalitza or Yibum, because her husband Shimon was a contemporary of Levi, right? Because if you look at the reading of the brisa. Right, Levi is born and then Shimon dies. So there was a period of time where they actually were considered to be uh, contemporaries. And the second piece of it is Shimon's widow is not really considered to be a tsaraz, not a co-wife of Ruvain's widow, because Shimon never did the ma'amar with Ruvain's widow. So, and and again, the other layer you can put on this is is that we even have that discussion of yesh, you know, yesh zika, ain zika. So even if Ruvain's widow sort of had this Zika bond with Shimon, right? This Bryce is basically saying that there isn't really a Zika bond and Mamar wasn't done. And therefore, Shimon's widow actually has to do Yibam or Chalitza uh, uh, with Levi. But now the Gemara wants to go back and look a little bit at like the language of the Bryce. My Ahmad, what does it mean that he, he got up? Umay Loki speak. And what does it mean he did not succeed or perform it? If he did Mamar, he did it. And if he didn't do it, he didn't do it. In other words, Mamar doesn't take a long period of time. It's not a process that takes months. So to say that it's like Ahmad, mid-action, low he speak, he didn't finish it. And somehow within that time, right, he doesn't finish it. And then quickly afterwards, Levi is born and then Shimon dies. It, it just, the, the, the mission is written, the Bryce is written in a very peculiar way. So the Gemara explains, Ella, right? This is what the Bryson means. Ahmad Midata, he rose to basically do, he got up to do Mamar with her consent. The Lohi speak Midata, but he didn't get to finish it with her consent. Ella Baal Korchacha, rather he does it against her, against her will. So in other words, that he wanted to do some type of act, this Mamar act, this some type of, you know, act, you know, uh, he wanted to do it initially with her consent, right? And so we talked about the way that this would be done is he could give her the same way we, he gives her something of value or he gives her a document, um, but she rejects him. And then actually he can force it upon her. He can say, no, this, this, this has to happen. Um, and so what basically this is teaching us is that Shimon's, you know, forced Ma'amar is actually ineffective. It doesn't actually work. And that's that's really how they're explaining this. So Ahmad means originally he gets up to do it with her dad, with the Obama's intent, with Obama's consent. And then in the end, something happens and she doesn't give consent anymore. And so what the Bryce is basically saying, if it's Baal Korchachav, it's against her will, it basically, it, 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 it's, it's Mamar doesn't hold at all. And so Ruben's, you know, widow, uh, didn't actually become, it, it had no bond still uh, to Shimon. And that's why when Shimon dies, the wife is actually, Shimon's widow is actually permitted to Levi. 
And this is not according to the opinion of Rebbe. And now we get to what I personally find is Rebbe's very uh, problematic and bothersome opinion. So now they quote another Brisa. Somebody performs Ma'amar with Yvonne without her consent. Rebbe says that he has acquired her as his wife. And Rebbe says no. So Rebbe holds that basically Ma'amar without consent is effective, and the Chachamim say that it is actually not effective. So then the Gemara wants to go on and say, okay, my time of the Rebbe, what's the Rebbe? Gemarmi via Diyavama. So he basically, he derives the laws of Ma'amar from the lie, from the laws of basically cohabitation would sort of be the English translation, but B is basically the sexual relationship that's going to happen between the Yavam and the Yavama. And so we talked about that yesterday, right? That on Mean Hatora on the tech, it's not technical, really. Like, there's no Kedushan act that actually has to happen. There's already a bond, there's already a, a, a status between the two of them. And really, just, you know, it, it just Bia has to take place. Just the two of them have to be together in a sexual act. And then the Yubum is basically uh, complete. And sort of to make it a little nicer, we add this act, we add this level of Ma'amar. So he basically is going to make a parallel between the laws of Ma'amar and the laws of Bia. Just as a Yavam's cohabitation with his Yavama, right, can take place uh, against her will, okay? So to the Kedushin, which is basically what the Ma'amar is, it, it, it's putting in an act of Kedushin there, can also take place against her will. I, I like mic dropped when I read this because I was like, uh, <laughs> what does this mean that Bia is taking place? Like, I, I mean, that's rape. I don't understand this. The Gemara doesn't really address it. I don't know if it gets addressed later on. This bothers me. I don't have a good answer for this. Okay. Um, the Rabbanan, the rabbis, they say, Gamri mi Kedushin de Alma, that the laws of Ma'amar are going to be lear learned from Kedushin, which sort of makes sense because in other words, you're adding in Ma'amar because you want an act of Kedushin so that it's not just through Bia that this whole thing of Yibum can take place. Ma Kedushin to Alma Midata, just as Kedushin always has to have the consent of the woman, Av Kedushin to Yivama Midata, so too the Kedushin of Yivama also can only take place uh, with consent. And so, but my Kamafliki, what are they disagreeing with? Mar Sabar, right? One holds, and this is Rebbe's opinion, Mile di Yivama, Mile di Yivama, Habele, Lumele that we should derive all matters that pertain to a Yavama, even like the added layer of Ma'amar, which is Durabanan, from everything that has to do with Yavama. So in other words, what's true about Yavama, that with the act of Yavama itself, you wouldn't need consent, we're applied that also to Ma'amar. Umar Savar, but the rabbis hold, that we should derive matters of Kedushin, meaning this act of Ma'amar, which is really a, subs a, a substitute act of Kedushin that you don't really need with Yavama, with all matters of Kedushin. And just like with regular Kedushin, you need to have consent. So too with this Kedushin of Ma'amar Ma Kedushin, you need to have, uh, uh, you need to have uh, consent. I, 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 I don't have a good answer to any of this. Totally uh, bothered by this. I, I'm wondering if, if Rebbe's opinion is going to get discussed more later. Um, and, and again, I think it just goes to like, I don't know, I'm not comfortable with you, like the whole concept of Yibum, the more I'm learning about it, the less I'm getting comfortable with it. And I understand that it may have economically protected women or things like that. It, 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 it's just, 
there's so much of it that is just so strange to any notion we have of language and personal uh, marriage and, and personal autonomy. And, and I, I just don't understand what the sentences of, you know, uh, uh, that here of like what this means. I, I assume that eventually Rebbe's opinion will probably get explored more later on. I believe that's the case, but also I would say, and maybe I'm just coming at it from a different angle, the, the Balkor Kha part is concerning, especially because there's this discussion about consent, right? So there's an awareness of such a phenomenon of con- consent as opposed to women being fully property, you know, that kind of thing. But I wonder if that isn't the context that we need to think about this in, meaning in an era when women were much more considered chattel, then the very fact that there is a discussion of consent at all, even if it's not the, you know, even if it's not the final word or not always the final word, it just, it struck me that like the, the idea that there is a concern about consent at all was interesting to me. So then the fact that there's this Balkorcha, you know, against her will or without her consent aspect of it uh, or opinion, whatever, it made me say like, okay, so is that the discussion? Like to what extent is consent necessary? What's underlying it? I'm not so sure. It would make, if Rebbe's position were in our era, it would be horrific. So we really, we can relate to it as really look like it's completely out of line. But I wonder if it isn't just more like the the party line at the time and looking towards consent to be the more progressive, whatever view then, and and that it that it played a role role at all. I think in the discussion That's is what's interesting. True. And also recognize we're using the English word consent, which has like a very specific connotation in the twenty first century. Like even right thirty right. years ago, the word consent didn't have the same notions that it does today. So I, I want to acknowledge that. Like I'm not meaning it even in the twenty first century version, but even. I, I look, I don't I don't think like anybody for I'd like to believe this wasn't a forcing on of somebody. But I think in a way what it's teaching us is like the Obama didn't really have rights to say no to this. Like, in other words, once you married into a family and there are multiple brothers and all of this stuff, I, I think you sort of are going into it with the head of like you are part of this family in in a multitude of ways and what that included was was that oh for sure a hundred percent right so this opinion of Rebbe like really drove that home for me today you know that that's okay okay so I I didn't realize that that was the the chiddush here that that was what was new for you yeah it felt new to me today I'm glad you thought of that later I I just but I read it but when you read it, it, it just the whole thing makes me uncomfortable. Even if but I say it that way and justify it that way, that it's not, you know, a physical act to, uh, uh, w- that lacks consent. But the Obama doesn't have a right to refuse this new marriage because once she does, married into of a family, she does. Right, it's called you know, chalitza. She can always do chalitza. She not- has to do something. But she has to do not, something. But she that's can just walk away. Seemed, I'm, I'm sure we're going to discuss Rebbe's opinion later. But that doesn't seem like that's not the straightforward reading of Rebbe's opinion today. But he wasn't discussing Chalitza. Did I miss something? No, he's discussing Yibum against her will. Like it's, you know. Meaning you're so you're so maybe we can sharpen the question here to be, you know, why is it why is there such a thing that he would even phrase it Yibum Bal Karcha when really he should be saying, mm, you know, Chalitza. Well, well, that's what I need to understand better. And again, I've not learned Yavamos before depth, 
so I think we're going to have to, we're going to see where this takes us. I'm not comfortable today. That's just what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we haven't been comfortable. Who's been comfortable for the past, you know, 19 days, really? Right. 18 days, that's, 17 right. days with, I'm a bet. Fine. Right. No, that's for sure true. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Robin E. Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hodgin website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.